It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. That is at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O ThunderPod. You can call into the show, 405-362-7128, 405-362-7128. Email the show, L-O-ThunderPod at gmail.com. Don't forget that the Locked On Thunder Fantasy Basketball League will get started very quickly. So if you want a spot, hit me up on Twitter or on the email address. This is Locked On Thunder, your only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. And so on today's show, we're going to dive into our more media availability that happened on Monday from the head coach, Mark Degnott, from Shea Gittis Alexander, and from Hamdou Diallo. We're also going to rank the Western and Eastern Conference right now ahead of the preseason and then dive into some, some news and notes from around the NBA, such as the NBA taking a different stance on load management. That and so much more coming up on the Lockdown Thunder podcast. But I want to dive into first the media availabilities because there's a, there's a lot of topics that can stem from this. The first part of all of this is Poku. Alexei Pokashevsky is going to be the, the biggest name and the and the most important part of the preseason. And that gets started right now as we're in training camp and they're doing team workouts. And people kind of read into some of these quotes, and I'm I'm curious by how some people got to their decisions on these quotes. So let's dive into it right now. Mark said that Poku, it's it's tough to tell what his role is going to be this early on. It's day two of team activities that they're focused on instilling professional habits and getting him 
equipped and understanding this culture and fundamental skill sets and that they're focused on the bigger picture with him, that they want to go step-by-step step with him. And, and what he's been consistent with all along is that this organization with Poku, with this rebuild of everything is not going to skip steps. And then he went on to say that we will certainly know more after our preseason schedule, the first five games, the first 10 games. And that Poku is like Baisley in the sense of they got here in Oklahoma City and they, they just became sponges. They just wanted to learn everything. They're all eyes, they're all ears, they're ready to learn. Out of all of that, there were some people who took away from that that Poku's not going to play this year or Poku's not going to play to start the year or Poku's just so far behind it's unbelievable. First of all, if he is far behind, it's not a big deal because this guy literally got drafted two weeks ago and he's already in Oklahoma City adjusting to American lifestyle. And by the way, the league he got drafted from is not a very good league. Again, it's like going to your YMCA and playing a pickup game right now. That's the league that he was in. So if he is behind, it's not a big deal. However, it feels like people are just picking the quotes they want to hear and that they want to use to confirm their prediction. Because right now, we still don't know. We still don't know what the plan is for Poku. And it could be to slow play him and not play him at all and to allow him to continue to grow. It also could be to play him, quote, as Mark said today, in the preseason schedule, in the first five games, in the first 10 games, and get a feel of where he's at as an NBA player. So you can take any quote you want to and form your own opinion on Poku and, and then use this confirmation bias of whatever quote you want to pick from. Do you want to pick the quote where Mark is saying that right now they're focused on professional habits and that they're focused on uh, just getting him into the culture? Or do you want to pick the quote where Mark says that they're going to take the time to watch him play in the preseason schedule and in the first five, 10 games? Either one is going to confirm whatever you think is true. The bottom line is we still do not know what's true. And if you want to read into these quotes too much, he said of Darius Baisley that the organization is still in discovery mode with Darius Baisley. They're still learning what he can be. They're still learning the perfect fit for him. Does that mean that they're not going to play Darius Baisley? No, he's probably going to be a starter. He should be a starter. He will be a starter for this Thunder team. He's going to play buku minutes. But they're still in discovery mode for Darius Baisley. They don't want to box Darius Baisley into something because of this narrative around Baisley and not let him grow into the player he could be or, or limit his growth. Same thing with Poku. So I wouldn't read too much into any of this media day stuff and any of this training camp media availability that we're in because we simply don't know. Now on Saturday night, when that final buzzer sounds in, in San Antonio, we'll have an idea of what's happening with Poku. Because if he does not play at all in preseason, then yeah, we have an uphill battle from here with the project of Poku. But if he plays a substantial amount, we still don't know for sure what that means for the regular season, but we do know that he is at least ready to step on the floor and compete a little bit. So just wait till Saturday. I know it's not a fun thing to say. I know it's not a fun thing to talk about is just wait till Saturday and wait on it, but simply you have to wait. SGA says that Poku is a great player with a great feel for the game. Diallo says he's a great player and that he has a lot of skills about him and that he has all the tools to be a great player in this league. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with Poku. By the way, SGA, whenever he talked to us today on Monday, he was wearing a headband, and I thought that that was very funny that you could just have the hashtag headband Shea, the same way we did this with Hoodie Mellow and things like that. I want to see Shea continue to wear that headband throughout this entire season. We'll see if he actually keeps it up. 
But yeah, that, that's that's kind of the gist of today. It was all about Poku. It was Poku mania. Everyone asked Diallo, Shea, Mark about Poku. The interesting part about this is the Darius Baisley comment to me, because to me that makes me think that they're actually going to give Baisley close to, if not just as much increased responsibility that they're giving to Shea. Because they want to find out what he is. They want to find out what he can be in this in this league. I think that he is an elite playmaker. Mark talks about how good he is as a playmaker at his position. I think that that's the, that his that is his elite trait, and that is what made him a first round pick. So how can you feature that? How can you implement that? How can you let him develop into that elite playmaker at the NBA level? What is the role best suited for him? Playing alongside Shea, and then. If you do get to play Poku, and Poku does get substantial minutes, which we don't know if he will or will not yet, but if he does, then you have Shea as a playmaker. You have Poku as a playmaker. You have Baze as a playmaker. Then you have this kind of weird, positionless, awkward, modern lineup that maybe could give some other teams trouble. And you've got a big point guard in Shea. You've got Baisley as a big playmaker. You've got Poku as just this seven-foot guard that's what he is. I know at the NBA level, he need to defend. He'll need to defend centers and try to defend power forwards because I don't think he has a foot speed, really, to keep up with the perimeter guys. But offensively, he's going to play like a guard. He's going he's to shoot from beyond the arc. He's going to try to set up with great passes, great ball handling. He won't post you up like Dirk Nowitzki. So you've got this weird lineup that you could possibly see this year of Shea, Baisley, and Poku. So that'll be fun to me that, that everyone understands that there's still a... a level of discovery to happen with Darius Baisley, that you don't want to box him into what he did last year. While last year was encouraging, especially inside the bubble, it's not all that he can do. Do not make him this floor-running, three-point shooting guy. Let him have the ball in his hands and create, especially off those rebounds, which he's very good at getting. Very excited for that. I'm also going to talk about Shea And again, he got asked about Chris Paul. And again, he said all the right things. But something that was very important was he mentioned that his time with Chris Paul taught him not only how to play with a great player, but how to play next to a great point guard. And that's very important for Oklahoma City because if everything goes right for Oklahoma City in the sense of rebuilding, in the sense of of trying for that top pick, and and you find a way to get that top pick, as of right now, your record is 0-0. They're going to try to win. But when that becomes less realistic and then whenever that becomes shifting your focus into development and into just focusing on the results on the floor outside of the win losses and you focus on getting the first overall pick, if you can achieve that and you draft Cade Cunningham, then you have two guys who I think can do both on-ball and off-ball guard type things who are very big for the guard position, very versatile And even though Shea wants to be that long-term point guard, he can still keep that title while understanding how to play next to an elite guard. And you're hoping that Cade Cunningham, if you draft him number one, turns into an elite guard. And that Shea will be comfortable playing alongside him. And so the fact that Shea took that away from his experience with Chris Paul is encouraging because even though he thinks of himself as that long-term option at the point guard position, it's clear to me after that quote that he's welcoming the idea of improving this team no matter what it takes. If it takes drafting Cade Cunningham, another point guard, a tall point guard that kind of has similar skill sets but can do some more things as him, so be it. But that was kind of all the news and notes 
from about the media availability after practice today on Monday. We're going to dive into just how good or bad this Thunder team could be and then ranking the Western Conference teams and Eastern Conference teams ahead of the preseason. Life can be stressful even under normal circumstances. 2020 has challenged even the most difficult times of your life. You need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. You need Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of a guided meditation in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advertised the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has three minutes of SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace is even more morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. I use Headspace to fall asleep. Got some trouble with that? Just download the app and get started. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace meditation is made simple. Go to headspace.com slash lockdownNBA. That's headspace.com slash lockdownNBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditation for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now, so head on over to headspace.com slash lockdownNBA today. You deserve to feel happier. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. This is Locked on Thunder. It's your only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Coming up on the show on Thursday, we're going to talk to fantasy basketball expert Josh Lloyd, getting you set for the Locked on Thunder Fantasy Basketball League. On Friday, we're going to preview that Spurs preseason game. And on tomorrow's show, we're going to do roster projection 3.0. 
my updated roster projection. Things have changed since we've last talked about it. And we're going to go through that roster and give you a roster profile on these players. I know some of you have no idea who's even on the team anymore or where they come from or their backstory. And I want to make you feel more a part of this journey by showing you and telling you where these guys come from. And so that way, whenever you're watching them on Saturday against San Antonio, you can follow along and understand their backstory. So that's what's coming up on tomorrow's show. Again, Josh Lloyd Thursday and previewing the game on Friday. Now I want to talk about this season as a whole, and I want to give some early predictions. We're going to redo these rankings after preseason, but this is just what we have right now on paper heading into the season. First, I want to start with how good the Thunder can be because there's been a lot of, t- a lot of talk about tanking, a lot of talk about being bad. I think that this team, as I've said many times, is going to lose games. They're going to lose a lot of games. Way more than you're used to them losing. But I do not think that this team is going to get blown out. I do not think that this team is going to get embarrassed night in and night out. And so anytime that you don't lose by a billion points in basketball, if you're only losing by three or four points, you're bound to have the ball bounce your way a couple of times. And if that continues to happen throughout the course of a season, you've now built yourself up a cushion of wins that propel you above the tier that you want to be in or above the tier you thought you would be in. And for the Thunder, you have George Hill. For how long, who knows? But for right now, you have George Hill, who was an elite spot-up shooter last year and can be a real huge compliment to Shea Giddes alexander who's trying to learn the point guard role. And then you get to Al Horford. And Al Horford is going to have, I think, an even better season this year than he did in Philadelphia. I think that this role for him, this scheme and style for him and system for him, is more beneficial for his skill set. I think that it will help him kind of revamp his career. And I hate to to fall back on the Chris Paul storyline. And I don't think that there's some magic fairy dust that Sam Presti gives these veterans to allow them to recoup their image. I just think that the Thunder organization and, this, and the coaching staff here would put into place and will put into place a system and a style and a scheme around Al Horford that he's more comfortable in and that really suits him more. And then he can show the NBA there is still some game left to him. He is still a very good floor spacer at the center position. He's still a very good interior defender. He's still a good rebounder. And he's an excellent playmaker for his size. All those things add up. And all those things can get shown off a lot more when you're not playing with that awkward fit next to Joel Embiid and then next to Embiid and Simmons. Once again, I, I don't think Philadelphia thought about what the fit would look like and thought about what would actually happen in practice once you put Horford next to Embiid. I think that they only thought about, well, if he's not in Boston anymore, he cannot give Joel Embiid trouble anymore if he's not in Boston. If he's here, we have him, no one else can have him. And that's not always the best way to look at things. That's not always the best way to conduct your business. But I'm expecting a pretty big turnaround from Al Horford. And I'm expecting the NBA to look at Al Horford the same way that they did Chris Paul, not in the MVP conversation, not even registering on a lot of radars until after the season, because I, I do not think that this this team is going to get to the postseason, and so that really limits you in terms of the exposure in season. But I think that after this season is over, you're going to see a lot of teams look back, and a lot of media members look back on this season, the 2020-2021 season, and you're going to have them saying how valuable and how much better Al Horford looked, and whenever teams start striking out in this loaded free agency class and they get desperate, because everyone has money and everyone wants to improve their team. And there's a lot of moving and shaking going on. 
all of a sudden now Horford becomes more valuable. Now, I don't think that you're even going to get a Chris Paul package back from Al Horford. I think that what you could have happen, though, and what I think what I would expect to have happen is that Al Horford comes into a system in Oklahoma City, which will look a lot like it did with Billy Donovan. Even the players right now, Diallo, Shea, are talking about how similar Mark's training camp is to Billy Donovan's training camp, kind of confirming what I've always said is that Mark is Billy Diamond 2.0 schematically. And he said it on Sunday that that a lot of their defensive schemes that they're implementing right now are basically what they ran last year. And so that stuff adds up. And that's a system that Al Horford has thrived in before in college. It's a system that he's very comfortable with and he wants to play in. Again, Al Horford was going to join this team before Kevin Durant went to Golden State to be paired with Billy Donovan and to be in that style. So putting him there, to me, will recoup some of his value to where, at the end of the day, next offseason, you can get something back for him without attaching anything to him. There's no sweetener. There's none of that. But you do get something. Not a huge asset. Not not something incredible. But you do get something for unloading his contract without giving anything up. So you have Hale. You have Horford as your veterans, two guys who are really good in the locker room also and really good for mentorship roles. George Hill is somebody, again, elite shooter, been in the league a long time, but doesn't care if he's on the bench or or starting. He's still going to give it 110%. And you've heard the stories already in two days of team activities that he is mentoring these guys and he is talking to them and helping them learn and grow. So two really good locker room presents. And then you have Shea. And we all expect Shea to take that next step. We all expect Shea to hit a new gear. 25-point-per-game score. Getting teammates involved as a playmaker. He's talked about wanting to improve his defense. And then you have Lou Dort, who plays winning basketball. That's not some cheesy throwaway line. Lou Dort only knows how to contribute to winning games. His play style is not conducive to doing anything other than that. He's going to play hard-nosed, lockdown defense. He's going to go give the opposing top score fits for 48 minutes. And then he might knock down a couple threes on his way. So he's only going to do things that facilitate wins. And then you get to Darius Baisley, who, again, expected to take a next step this year, expected to take a leap. Bubble Baisley really helped that team. I mean, he really helped that team in the bubble. Now, extrapolate that into a 72-game season. And you put Baisley, like without Horford, in a style he's more comfortable in and in a style that can show off his best features more. Again, last year, Baisley was playing with Dennis, Shea, Paul. There was no more room for a playmaker. There was no more room to show off your, your vision and your IQ and your passing and ball handlers. There's no more of that when you're playing with three guards. But now he's in a position where he can do that. And really every level has a playmaker now for the Thunder. I'm expecting a a huge step from Baisley, a huge step from Shea. Mix that with Horford and Hill and then Dort playing winning basketball. And then whatever you get from Teo Maldon, whatever you get from Poku, whatever you get from him, New Diallo, whatever you get from those guys on the bench, That's why I'm so confident that this team is not going to get blown out night in and night out. Probably are not going to win a lot of games, though. But they will not get blown out. And that's the first step, though. That's the first step to winning, is not getting blown out. Because once again, as I said yesterday, you get load management, you get 
COVID results, you get stuff where you're taking on the Lakers, but it's without half their roster, it's without their top names, that becomes a more winnable game. So let's dive into power ranking of the Western Conference and Eastern Conference coming up. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And we're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. This is Locked On Thunder, your only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I want to start by ranking the Western Conference, and then we're going to rank the Eastern Conference. Again, this is only for the preseason rankings to get something on paper, and then we can tweak it if need be after the preseason. But heading into the preseason, I have... The Lakers are the top team in the West. I think that they very improved their team, very much so, and that their bench is a lot more improved. Therefore, whenever you get to the load managing of LeBron that will happen after the, the national TV games to start the year, when you get through those games, when you get through that stretch, when he's playing on Christmas and opening night, you still have a competent team that can win basketball games without LeBron and AD now. And so in the West, I, I had a lot of trouble with this. I mean, I had a ton of trouble. And we'll talk it out as we go through it. But number two, I have the Denver Nuggets. Because the Nuggets, I think, have a very deep team. So they can withstand some nagging injuries if they have any pop-up or some load management games. They can withstand all of that. And I think that they're just a very good regular season team. That the style that they play nets them a ton of regular season wins. So the Nuggets, number two. Number three, I have the Dallas Mavericks. I expect a huge year from Dallas. My big hiccup with Dallas and why I could see them finishing anywhere from three to seven. First off is because I think that, you know, three through six is going to be decided by like one game or one and a half games. So that's already a very tight race where one little minor thing doesn't go your way and you've drastically flipped where you're going to be positioned at. But Dallas on paper is the third best team in the West. I mean, they have improved their defense enough from where it was a year ago on paper with that historic offense that I don't expect to have a a drastic drop-off. Maybe you go from number one to number three, but with your defense leaping up from 18 to 12, it really compensates for it. My only thing with Dallas is I I don't know how much they're going to load manage. Chris Stops is not going to be ready to go until midway through January, so that sets you back. Whenever he comes back, it's not like he's going to play every single day. He's going to take some days off. He's going to get some some maintenance days. Luka is a player that so far has had a ton of nagging injuries, so he's going to have some days off as well. To where does, does Dallas really slide in at three, where I think that they should? I'm so confident with the Lakers because I think that they have a lot of depth and that they can do and achieve that top seed without AD and LeBron playing every single game. I think that the Nuggets have enough depth to reach the second seed by just compiling wins. I do not think that the Nuggets are the second best team, though. I think that the Nuggets will be really good at compiling wins and stacking wins and limiting the amount of times that they load manage, and with their depth, that will be huge. So I think that they're going to just stockpile these wins to propel them with the standings while the Mavericks are load-managing Luka and KP. The Clippers at four are load-managing 
Kawhi and Paul George. And so you see them take that step back and step back. And again, I think that the standings will be very close this year. One, one and a half games, two games separating everyone. So if you have a different opinion, that's totally fine. But I have the the Clippers at four. A lot of in-house fighting, but at the end of the day, I think that for the regular season, we have kind of overblown this Clippers thing. They're still a really good basketball team. They're still going to perform at a very high level. And that they're still going to be four, maybe even two. Again, very close. Number five, the Utah Jazz. I like this Jazz team, but I cannot buy into the Jazz yet. I just can't. I like the improvements that they made. I like bringing back Derek Favors. But I just, I can't do it yet. They're the Jazz. I, I can't. They've got to prove it to me. They've got to prove it to me. Number six, I have Portland. And I've had Portland go anywhere between three and seven. And I just cannot figure out where I want Portland to go. I am very high on the moves Portland made this offseason. But it's just something about them that I that I just feel like they're going to get off to a slow start. Something's going to go wrong for them. They're going to have to battle back, battle through adversity, and then they'll be able to slot in somewhere like five or six. Just a feeling I have. Again, I think that on, on paper, talent-wise, they could be up to number three. And if we're doing a power rankings, I might have them a lot closer to three. But as for actually projecting the standings, I have them at six. Now I have the Warriors at seven. And I think that people are overvaluing the loss of Clay. And what I mean by that is, yes, they're no longer a title team, but that does not make them terrible. We're, we're living in this world where if you cannot win a title, you're a terrible basketball team. You, you just have no use. There's no space for you in this NBA world, in this NBA environment. If you cannot win a title, you suck. That's not the case. This team is a pretty good team. The Warriors are going to be seven, eight, somewhere in there in the West. They still have Steph. If he's healthy, that's going to be enough to drag you places. Look, if you do not think that that Warriors team is a playoff team, then I would hate to hear your opinion on Houston because you cannot possibly buy into whatever James Harden brings to the table if he even finally shows up from Vegas. You cannot bank on James Harden and then bank on John Wall, who has not played since... Nixon was in office. You cannot bank on Boogie Cousins, who has not played since the Stone Age, and you cannot bank on Christian Wood being better than Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins in a better role that's more conducive to him, Eric Paschal, and whatever James Wiseman ends up being. I will take that group of players, that collection of talent, over two injury-prone guys, and one guy who I'm not so sure can finish the season with the, with the COVID protocols in Houston. So I've got the Warriors at seven. Number eight, I have the Suns. Once again, I think that the Suns on paper, pretty good team, possibly overvaluing the 8-0 bubble run, possibly overvaluing the Chris Paul factor. I love Chris Paul. I've talked about how the Thunder organization has to find a way to honor what he's done for this franchise, both factoring in what he did for this franchise last season, but also what he did for this community whenever the Hornets were here. You have to find a way to honor that. I love Chris Paul. I love what he did for Oklahoma City. But I think we might be overvaluing and naive to just assume that that's going to happen again. I want it to happen again. I want Chris Paul and Devin Booker to be electric. Give me a reason to stay up at ungodly hours to watch basketball. But with this quick turnaround, and without that long hiatus in the middle, God willing, 
what is Chris Paul going to be able to accomplish in, in Phoenix? Will they have the same buy-in and same chemistry that Chris Paul got from each individual player on this Thunder roster? There's still a lot of unknowns in Phoenix. Whereas I don't have that with the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Mavericks, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Trailblazers, the Warriors. My only unknown with the Warriors is, can Steph stay healthy? Which is the same, which is the same thing I have with Chris Paul. Can Chris Paul stay healthy again? And if they're healthy and they're both playing at, at the peak of their powers in present day, Steph Curry is better in 2021. But I do like that Suns roster. And I do think that that Suns roster will be a very good team. And once again, let me preface all this once again by saying, this is going to be a very tight race. These, these, these teams are not separated by golfs. They're separated by rivers right now. Number nine, I do have the Rockets. I just don't know where to put the Rockets if they obviously have James Harden. James Harden is a walking MVP candidate. He's going to be good enough to get you in that play-in mix, but is he going to be committed enough? I mean, you thought he didn't play defense back then. Wait until you see him this year. Can he stay out of the clubs, and can he follow protocols? Uh, that's just a lot of unknown about James Harden. We still do not know for a fact that he's even going to be there on December 22nd, but tentatively, they're number nine. Obviously, they're the they're the Biggest culprits to drop and significantly drop whenever we do this again in a couple weeks. Number 10 of the Pelicans. I am intrigued by New Orleans. I like the Stan Van Gundy hire. I do not like the Steven Adams trade. I don't see how him and Zion can fit together. I get it. You get a fringe all-star center, but we've seen his limitations, Steven Adams. We've seen his limitations in the postseason here in Oklahoma City for the past three seasons. We've seen each matchup give him difficulties by the end of the year. And I don't love the fit next to Zion. I just don't. I think that that's too much congestion in the paint. Can Zion space the floor? Because we know Adams can't. Where does the shooting come from with Lonzo on the floor, with Steven Adams and with Zion on the floor? Where does the shooting come from besides J.J. Redick? And then how does Brandon Ingram play next to Zion and Adams playing primarily in the paint? What are they going to do there? There's just a lot of unknowns about the Pelicans, and I think that this is going to be a very big growing stage for them. If Zion can stay healthy, they remind me a lot of the Grizzlies last year where they give you that real strong start, they they give you that big push, and at the very end, they fall out of the eighth seed, they land at like a nine or ten, and they get into the playing game. I have them at 10 right now. Obviously, with the Rockets situation, they can easily fall all the way out and then put the Pelicans to number nine. Number 11 of the Grizzlies didn't make a ton of moves this year. Still need to grow and figure out their team. No big deal to miss the play-in game and miss the play-in slots right now. They're going to be a very fun league pass team in Memphis. We'll see what they can do past that. Number 12 of the Timberwolves. I just, I don't like Ricky Rubio there. I don't like... Anthony Edwards, I don't like Jarrett Culver. And then you're just left with, again, D'Lo and Carl Anthony Towns. Not enough in this tough Western Conference. Number 13, I have the Kings. Number 14, I have the Spurs. And then 15, I have the Thunder. I just think that these three teams are very interchangeable. I could easily see the Spurs being the worst team in the West this year. I could see the Thunder doing it. I could see the Kings doing it. Heck, there's a world in which the Timberwolves do it, but I just don't think so. I just don't have a lot of opinions on the Spurs and Kings. Of course, with the Thunder, you know that I believe that they can be a very scrappy team, a very hard-nosed team that 
does everything right and keeps it close, but ultimately falls short at the final buzzer. So that's how I have the West shaking out. Standing-wise, we can do power rankings later on. We do do this podcast every single day, so there's never a shortage of, of time to talk about things. In the Eastern Conference, I have the Bucks number one. Amazing regular season team. Do not let the do not let the playoffs fool you. We're not talking about playoffs right now. We're talking about regular season. Number one, I love the Drew Holiday edition. Number two, I have the Sixers. I think that the Sixers with Doc Rivers running more pick and roll action. They're going to be really good this year. I like them on paper. Number three, the Heat. I think that there's going to be more load managing for Jimmy Butler to knock them down a peg in the in the regular season, but they're going to be a force in the playoffs. And then I have the Nets. I think that the Nets at four. They take a bit more time to get accommodated to their new roles next to Kyrie and KD and those two fitting together, but they're still a heck of a team. Number five, the Raptors. I know that they lost their big man, but Mark Gasol was not all that good at the end of the year anyway. Abaka is a big loss, but I do like Aaron Baines a lot, and I think that Chris Boucher is going to have an immense role this year, and he's going to be that Raptor. There's always that one Raptor every year that all of a sudden blows up onto the scene. He's going to be that guy this year for Toronto or Tampa Bay, whichever you prefer for this year only. Number six, the Celtics. The Kimba thing scares me to start the year. I think that they've lost a lot with Gordon Hayward that they're not really anticipating, and I'm not sure how much I like the Tristan Thompson edition. I have them falling a bit to six. Number seven, I have the, the Washington Wizards. Improving from a guy who has not played since 2017 into an All-NBA player is very good. Russell Westbrook in the regular season is very good. Russell Westbrook next to Bradley Beal reminds me a lot of Westbrook next to Paul George. If Westbrook wants to embrace that role again and embrace what he did for Paul George in Oklahoma City, then all of a sudden they're a very good regular season team that nets them seventh place in the East. So that's going to be fun for Washington. Number eight, I have Atlanta. They made so many moves. They've gotten Trey Young. They've gotten all these pieces. I do like the Hawks this year with Gallinari. And then for the play-ins, number nine, I have Billy Donovan's Chicago Bulls. This Bulls team on paper is really good. Do not let their their record fool you from a year ago. I think that their record last year was so poor only because of Jim Boylan. And I think that you give them a good coach. You give them Billy Donovan. He's going to implement a system that fully utilizes Kobe White, fully utilizes lawyer marketing, and really makes them a force to be reckoned with in the in the East and not a pushover and a play-in team. And you know what? You get to that play-in game and anything can happen. So I really like the Bulls. Number 10, the Pacers. I don't like Oladipo coming off this injury. Who knows his commitment level to Indiana? He says one thing one day and another thing the next day. I don't think this team's all that good in Indiana, and that teams have kind of passed them by along the way. Number 11, the Hornets. Some of their best players are all point guards. You have Lamelo, Of course, you have Terry Rozier, and you have Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham, I think, is way better than Terry Rozier. And then you have Gordon Hayward edition. Can he stay healthy for a full season? Can they all get adjusted, and can they all get equipped and the chemistry together for on the floor? Number 12, Orlando. Losing Jonathan Isaac is going to be big. I think that, again, teams have just passed them by. I mean, they were so comfortable being that eighth seed year in, year out, but teams have made moves to pass them by as the Magic stand pat, and the Magic just stand idly by. So I move on to the third team with the Cavs. Cavs are going to be a fun rebuilding team. I think that they're going to be much like the Thunder in the sense of they do not get blown out, they do not get pushed over, but they still lose games at 13. Number 14, the Knicks, very meh and very bad on paper. Number 15, the, the Pistons. I simply hate how Troy Weaver has constructed this team. I think that it's not really going to fit together. Blake Griffin, probably not going to play all that much, just given his history. And then you have Killian Hayes, whatever he can be, and Derrick Rose. Very meh team at best. And that's how we conclude the Eastern Conference. 
Now, there's still no James Harden in Houston. We can follow that story all throughout the day. Do not forget that today we'll be hearing the confirmation of the Al Horford trade. It should be Al Horford coming to Oklahoma City. In return, Philadelphia gets a trade player exception. They get Vincent Poyer. They get Terrence Ferguson. They get Danny Green. That should be the trade. We'll see how close to that it is for the official unveiling of this trade on December 8th. And then also the Thunder get tail Maldon, of course. Again, the only reason that this trade has taken so long to get confirmed is because of the fact that they needed to wait to aggregate players with Danny Green. So they've waited the amount of time. It's December 8th. It's time to get this ball rolling. On tomorrow's show, we're going to dive into my roster projection 3.0. We're going to do player profiles and projections. We're also going to talk about the NBA changing their load management rules. And we're going to talk about Harden Watch Day 5? 4? Whatever Harden Watch Day we're on, if he has reported to Houston or not. And just laugh as Sam Presti sits back owning the Houston future and owning all of their first-round picks for seemingly the end of time. So that's what we're going to do on tomorrow's show. Do not forget Josh Lloyd coming up on Thursday, talking all about fantasy basketball, the host of Locked on Fantasy Basketball. That is the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. So go check it out. Locked on Fantasy Basketball on Friday. We are back to previewing games already as we get set to take on the San Antonio Spurs on Saturday. So a lot to get to this week, a lot of fun stuff in store. So be sure to subscribe wherever it is you get your podcast from. If you're on Apple Podcasts, we have a five-star iTunes review. And in that five-star review, if you leave a question, I will answer it on the show. So I am Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.